covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Joe from Celebrate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. If you are listening to this as an audio podcast, this was originally published as a YouTube interview conducted remotely. You can find it on youtube.com forward slash startup radio. And you can also listen to all of our blockchain content on Blockchain Germany by Startup Radio. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts and any other channel. As I was researching this um, this interview, I fall into I fell into a little trap, and so I first have a disclaimer. As opposed to the usual YouTuber or podcaster in the blockchain space, you, meaning the startup I am interviewing, don't pay thousands of euros to be there, and neither am I invested in you guys, nor do I get any kickback. For everyone who's surprised about that, many channels work like this. Just pay attention to the people in Telegram chats who ask admins for emails and business proposals. They usually send an offer with a price tag of several thousand euros, sometimes upwards of 50,000 euros just to be on their channel. Oh, and before I forget, they usually only want cash. They don't take crypto. Make sure you vet your blockchain information source before you fall in those traps. That said, I do have a Freddy here with me who's not really a Freddy. Can you introduce yourself? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hi, my name is uh, Freddy, um, but originally Friedrich uh, from Germany. But uh, for all English speakers, I guess Freddy is a lot easier, which I learned when I was an exchange student in high school in the US. So that's where my nickname Freddy comes from, and I've been Freddy ever since. And uh, yeah, I basically been a project manager all my life. Um, I worked for uh, like 10 years or more uh, as a director of project management at one of uh, Germany's largest internet agencies. Uh, so I was focused on like enterprise websites, e-commerce shops, mobile apps, all that kind of stuff. And later then, not only like leading projects or portfolio of projects myself, but also educating project managers that, that came on board the company and uh, doing some organizational development. And uh, I got introduced to blockchain in 2015 uh, by my friend and co-founder Peter, uh, who told me about Ethereum. And I fell down the rabbit hole, as we say, in the uh, blockchain space uh, pretty soon. And it consumed a lot of my free time, evenings, uh, etc., weekends. And uh, then in uh, 2018, I decided to go full-time blockchain, basically. And uh, this is also where our company started. But we're going to cover that later, I guess. Okay, first I have a smart ass remarks. I know people don't like smart asses. I do believe going down that rabbit hole is from the novel Alice in Wonderland because she falls into that rabbit hole to experience the whole story. Secondly, uh, which, which high school did you attend in the US? Oh, it was a very, very small one. La Center High School in Washington State. So in the Pacific Northwest, beautiful area there. But uh, the village I was living there was like 500 people. And uh, so it was a really small school. Uh, it was a bit scary uh, when I first learned about it. Um, you know, I got the information about the profile and stuff, but it turned out to be a very, uh, like a great year that 
formed and shaped me in, in many many ways uh, so I'm, I'm still benefiting and learning English is like the most obvious but certainly not the most important uh, aspect of being abroad and as an exchange student yes uh, also one thing I've learned when I've been abroad you never get told the whole truth <laughs> But uh, enough about that. I, I, I've seen you've been more than four years uh, a project manager as well as a lecturer at the University of Applied Sciences here in Rhein-Main. Anything you learned here, like structuring your stuff uh, that you can now use in your day-to-day -day life? Um, not so much in, in that regard, because basically I've been, like I said, a project manager before being a lecturer already like 10 years so like um it was more the, the the teaching experience that is you know good to have and realization of that you cannot be everybody's friend when you're up front as a as a teacher basically um and you have to make it as interactive as possible i guess to to bring the message across And uh, I think that's the most valuable lesson I learned. And that's what I always strive in when I give lectures or speaking at conferences or something that I try to engage the audience so that they're not passively consumed, but actively, you know, follow and think and maybe even uh, provide comments or questions. Yes, actively participating. For everybody, nobody could see that, but I'm doing this interactive hours dancing when you've been talking. Um, talking about going down that rabbit hole in blockchain space, uh, how was your introduction and how did you end up with any blog analytics? Right. Um, so the introduction was pretty much, it was before Ethereum even launched. So it was... Uh, Uh, Peter knew some people that were involved early in the Ethereum community and basically he pitched it to me as a like as an alternative to fiat money so that it could transform the way our financial system and even our nation states might operate because it actually was the first time I thought about the what makes a nation state such a powerful entity and basically it's because they're printing the money and they accept fiat money or their local currency as the only way to pay their taxes and with that they have money they can provide security and these kind of things and protect the borders and obviously there's a the cultural heritage kind of thing as well but uh, so that that's How I, how I started as a, as a sort of a money, which I guess was back in the days, 2015, also the, the story about Bitcoin. But I found it much more interesting than Bitcoin because you have the smart contract capabilities. Um, so you can have any arbitrary software code running on the blockchain. And to me, that sounded really, really powerful, even though uh, at first, obviously, I was overwhelmed and did not quite grasp, uh, you know, the... The potential for it but like i said the, the more and more I, i learned and as ethereum launched and progressed it became more clear that this is a very powerful world computer and that in i still believe that today that like in 10 years it's going to be as ubiquitous as the internet is today so meaning you will only you're not you might not notice blockchain specifically particularly not the bad ui that we're having currently Uh, but it's just going to be the, the foundation of everything, just like the Internet. You don't realize, you know, the Internet or you don't know if your if your file is safe 
you know, locally or in a, in, a, in a cloud or something like that. It's just going to be blockchain and you don't know about it probably only if it fails or if it's missing, then you notice. Like if you don't have Wi-Fi somewhere and in Germany, that happens too often. But, uh, <laughs> you know, these. so that's, that's basically my, my belief that this is really, really, really going to be a, a fundamental infrastructure piece of, of uh, everything, really, their economy, but also social structures and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, what came to mind when you've been talking about Ethereum? You are headquartered in the beautiful city of Mainz, where I was born. Uh, that, that's a big plus. And also there's one of the lead developers of Ethereum there, right? Uh, say that again, your connection was lost. Ooh, I'm sorry. Um, Mainz is also the home of one of the lead developers of Ethereum, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, Brainbot Technologies, the developers of Raiden and Trustlines, um, they're based in Mainz. And this is also where basically the, the connection comes from and also where the story of AnyBlock Analytics starts because the service of AnyBlock Analytics basically was first started in-house uh, with the Raiden team. They're working on a scaling solution for Ethereum network and they basically developed this first idea, this first product, and then it was decided that this technology could actually be very interesting for other companies, both crypto and enterprises as well. And that's when uh, we decided to, to spin it out of BrainBot and uh, have it as an own entity. Totally makes sense. Um, lots of people are now thinking about, uh, and what are you guys actually analyzing? What are you guys doing? What is your market? What what does any plug analytics provide? Yes, um, I guess the easiest way to explain it is if people are familiar with Google Analytics, that's like a little plugin or a pixel in like almost every website or online shop that tracks how the user behaves. And uh, that that's basically what we do for the blockchain space. So we collect all the data that is in the in the blockchain and it can be used to, for example, um, improve your product because you can see how your smart contract, your code that lives on the blockchain is being used. What are the functions that are used the most? What are not used at all? What's the traffic? What's your traction for startup uh, kind of uh, key performance indicators? These kind of things, and we we provide that data and make it easily accessible. Um, for example, you can build on our technology stack. You can build uh, easy visualizations so that you actually have a nice chart um, that displays whatever the, the growth of your your product or your service that you have on the blockchain in a time series, uh, which is something that you cannot generally achieve from raw blockchain data because raw blockchain data is basically, it's not just zeros and ones, but this hexadecimal encoded. So you can't make any sense out of it without decoding and enriching the data first, which is basically what happens in our technology stack. So, 
going back quite a bit because we want to make this interview accessible to not only the blockchain cracks but also people who don't know a lot about blockchain first and foremost we may want to say that there's not one blockchain there are many blockchains and basically you guys can like um like poke with food uh, if this blockchain is dead or alive right <laughs> yeah you could say that um, we certainly see a lot more truth than uh, like you referred to in the beginning about the disclaimer in the blockchain space. It's a very you know new technology, a new area, and there's a lot of um, questionable marketing techniques and uh, also money raising that is you know based on dubious facts or just marketing white papers and things like that. So we can see the actual truth that is on the chain. So that's. Basically, you could argue the only truth there is in the blockchain space. So we can see that we already have index 17 blockchains and we're going to add a lot more. So yes, we can have also like cross blockchain, you know, comparisons and uh, metrics on, on how successful they are on the blockchain level, but also on any individual level, for example, the Ethereum blockchain, uh, we can differentiate between different projects or different tokens. Um, for example, we're doing uh, projects with the Frankfurt School Blockchain Center um, and, and numerous others, academic organizations that use us uh, as a data pool for, you know, when they're comparing, say, different tokens or different projects. So you have indexed 17 blockchains. Um, so going a little bit back that basically means you first have to go through a blockchain indexing it so you can actually search it and then you can use it at any blog right yeah that's correct so we we set up a server and uh, blockchain speak that's called a node um, that participates in this network and what makes it a little bit more complicated is it doesn't, it cannot be a normal full node, but it has to be an archive node, which means that we record everything from the beginning of the blockchain. Like when the blockchain starts with a Genesis block, when the, when the network comes to life, basically, like in Ethereum, it was 2015. And so we, we collect all the data through that server, through that node, and um, like I said, decode it, enrich it, and then put it in our infrastructure, which basically is a very, very huge database or several databases to make it accessible. And also because the blockchain technology is so new, a lot of enterprises have trouble accessing this kind of technology or working with it, running their own node so we can run a node for them, or they can just access the, the data directly uh, with like standard technology means that they're using already with their enterprise resource planning, business intelligence, or any other legacy IT system. So it makes the entrance into the blockchain world a lot easier, I would say. Hmm, where to start, where to stop? I, I, I'm not a coder. 
And I, I, I've understood that you guys are offering analytics that all you're kind of tying into the block, respective blockchain and get all the data, put it in a database, and then it's searchable on a more uh, user-oriented level. How would that actually work? How would a company, how uh, how would a coder integrate you? And is there a place as, as a usual retail user you could use your tool? Um, well, we're focusing more on the B2B sector, so we're not so much a consumer-facing uh, project, even though some of our uh, products could be used or could be accessed. Like, for example, we have a block explorer uh, for the blockchains that we offer. So um, there you can see the latest transactions, the latest blocks from a blockchain. That would be something that is available for consumers as well. But there's others that are more geared toward consumers than that. Our technology is more for business-to-business -business, uh, scenarios. And like you said, there's two types of users. There's the technical users or developers, and they uh, can access our data via an application programming interface or API, um, which is the standard form of interfacing with data. And so they they code some query, like, for example, okay, show me a transaction to this contract, um, you know, that, that when it happens, and then they can, they can listen to when, when somebody is sending funds to that smart contract, which may be whatever, say, an insurance contract, and once the premium is received, then the contract covers some certain type of risk, or for example, that would be a, a, an example. And uh, so th those would be the, the technical users. And but we're also facilitating or making making the blockchain data more accessible for let's say marketing people or more like management type stuff. And for that, either we or somebody in their team can build dashboards and make these nice charts that I was referring to earlier. So you can see, let's say, the distribution of a token. Um, this is important when you talk about governance rights that is depending on the amount of tokens that you hold, for example. Um, or if you want to see like the growth of usage of certain, let's say, decentralized finance applications, things like that, or you want to know how much um, crypto tokens, Ethereum or whatnot is you know, um, basically put into several, uh, several smart contracts that are locked up, which is important for, let's say, traders that want to trade on cryptocurrencies. Uh, they, could, they could use these kind of uh, charts to gain insights into blockchain data. Mm, now I get a little bit better understanding. We've always been referring to smart contracts. Basically, what I understand is that you write a code that is approximately like a contract and actually everything you have in the contract, every clause is like backed with code. And basically, it's a program acting as a contract. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, some people don't like the term because the contract's not really smart in that sense. But like you said, the yeah, and like uh, for example, I, IBM IBM calls it chain code to to make clear that 
It's just like software code, but it lives on chain, on the blockchain or on a blockchain. There's obviously several, like you said. Um, so this chain code or smart contracts, or they have different names of different uh, blockchains. Um, but like you said, it's, it's immutable. So whatever is coded there, it will, it's guaranteed to happen. So there is no legal, you know, argument of, oh, this was not meant to be, uh, and you understood this wrong, and you have to go to court and wait for three years to litigate it or something. But it's really like input-output. If it says you put this in and then this output happens, then that's what's what it's going to do. And there's nothing that can stop it. No, Nobody can censor it. Uh, those are like the characteristics of a blockchain. Nobody can censor it. Nobody can 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 stop it. Um, and yeah, that's it. I see the usefulness, especially from my background in the derivatives contracts. Um, but on the other hand, I always would like to have like a lever where, for example, a court ruling. Uh, when it changed the contract could also change that as well as I'm always, especially when you start with something with a smart contract and if it, it's not like a very simple called plain vanilla derivatives, I would always like to have a backup because you can always make mistakes, right? You, even the lawyers make mistakes in the contracts and they lead to trouble. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but that's not really a problem if you write it correctly then there's upgradability mechanisms where you can just like any other software or the apps on your iphone or something uh, that it can be updated um, now for the the crypto purists or ideological decentralized people they say well if there's somebody that can update a contract that that entity controls the contract and has the power to to change it without somebody knowing and that's true that's a danger it's a risk um, but still i would say particularly in enterprise uh, segments b2b you like you said there, there needs to be some way of correcting mistakes or if there's a bug found then you need to you need to be able to fix it obviously so i think this is a good way you can compromise and you can have some sort of governance mechanism that you know so that not only one person can upgrade a contract but this has to be a decision by some sort of a, uh, a company committee or a consortia that is uh, spanning multiple companies um, to to change like key contracts so there's different models for that and it's definitely possible ah, now we are much smarter um i I actually learned two new words during this interview. It's the Genesis block and the upgradability. I love that. Um, go going a little bit back to what you guys doing, uh, what blockchains are you right now working with? And how would someone be able to like get to know you more, um, approach you or, uh, work with your API? Right. Um, so we, we started with the Ethereum blockchain ecosystem, I would say, because there's not only one Ethereum mainnet, that's the, the main Ethereum blockchain, but there's also test networks, there's uh, derivatives, like you said, sort of, uh, that are based from Ethereum technology, but have a different uh, focus. For example, the energy web chain 
is uh, created by the Energy Web Foundation and a lot of uh, energy sector affiliates, large and small. And they have their own blockchain that specializes in energy use cases. Uh, there's also POA chains and, and others. They're all derivatives basically of the Ethereum technology and all publicly available chains in that segment we have already indexed. Um, next on our list is probably going to be the Cosmos technology. And there's also several blockchains uh, that are based on the Cosmos technology. The most prominent one would be the Binance chain, where the famous Binance exchange uh, runs their uh, transactions. And we're also going to add uh, Bitcoin and the more, let's say, uh, traditional uh, blockchains that don't have maybe smart contract capabilities, but they're nonetheless important for the trading activity that's happening there. And people can get in touch with us uh, just by visiting our blockchain, uh, our website, sorry, anyblockanalytics.com or uh, just write us an email on contact at anyblockanalytics.com. Uh, we're also on uh, Twitter, on Medium, LinkedIn, all usual channels, basically. Haha, and everybody who's listening to this audio podcast or watching this YouTube video, go down here in the show notes. There will be a link to our website, www.startoperate.io slash dalalalala, quite a lot of text. And that's actually the show notes of our interview. There will be transcript as well as all the links you need as also um, getting the LinkedIn profile of Freddie. That said, uh, uh, just a few more questions on any block. Uh, how many guys are there? When did you guys get founded officially? And um, how you guys are financed? Right. Um, so we got started in 2018, summer 2018. Um, and we're, we're three founders. Um, we're, we're a team of four, like a core team. Then we have additional help uh, by, by freelancers, designers, etc. But uh, the core team is us four. Uh, we know each other since, well, over a decade ago. So we're, we're close friends and uh, we believe that this is part of the success of our team and of will be of our company. And uh, we just closed our seed round. Um, we raised half a million euros uh, from uh, ESB Bank in Mainz, uh, the Accelerator Frankfurt in Frankfurt, <laughs> which helps uh, us a lot, and uh, also three other business angels. So we got quite a good mix of uh, experience, network, and uh, like you know, fundamental banking uh, expertise, basically. And so we're looking very much forward to uh, leveraging those connections as well as the new funding to accelerate our growth um, in Germany and beyond. What are the markets you're looking for next, as you say, Germany and beyond? Right. Um, well, it's basically really Europe or the European Union obviously is the, the, the easiest to, to grasp, but we also have some advisors in the US and Peter is going to travel to New York uh, just in like two or two weeks, I think. Um, to, to reach out to several prospects there. Uh, so this is the most interesting markets to us. In Asia, a lot of things are happening as well in, the, in crypto. Uh, it's just that if you don't have people on the ground there, then it's harder to get a foot in the door, as you say. Um, so that's, that's why we're primarily looking uh, in our 
uh, German European home market. And the most interesting clients for us would be because we're working a lot with crypto teams right now because they're obviously the most advanced uh, on the technology and have the therefore the greatest need for our service. But as more and more enterprises uh, come online with blockchain projects and proof of concepts, uh, we'd love to to work with one of the or a few obviously uh, larger. Uh, corporates, let's say uh, DAX, MDAX uh, entities that are working on blockchain and uh, we can facilitate um, our technology also for their private permission blockchains if they need to. Yes, great. Uh, we may add ISB is Investitions und Strukturbank Mainz, which is like the public um, infrastructure bank of the state of Rheinland-Palatine, Rheinland-Pfalz. Uh, where Mainz is the capital. Well, thank you very much. It was a great pleasure having you here. Everybody who'd like to learn more, go down here in the show notes. There will be all the link, all the links. Great. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. See you again. Bye bye. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www startuprad.io Remember, sharing is caring.